OXO's kitchen tools go through an exhaustive testing process. But senior product engineer Mac Moore admitted that they get a little help. We build a custom robots for each task if we can. So sometimes we can't do that and we have to we have to bring in temps or just do it ourselves. But if we can build a robot, we do. It's a lot of fun. Robot tested, home cook approved. Learn more at oxo.com. That's oxo.com. Hello, proof listeners. Bridget here. Now, I hope that you have enjoyed our very first season of Proof. We had so much fun making it. And we're busy working on the second season as I speak right now. So very soon we're going to have a whole new batch of really cool stories, answers to those food questions that maybe you've thought about, maybe you didn't even know that you had. And we're going to drop a new episode every Thursday starting this spring. But in the meantime, we're posting bonus content every two weeks. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on a single bonus episode. And this week, well, I've got a conversation with our producer, Sarah Joyner, on natural and artificial flavors. What the heck is going on there? So, Sarah, let's think about those bean-boozled episodes you did for season one. They were great, by the way. Thank you. We talked a lot about those flavors, natural, artificial flavors, but we didn't really make that distinction between the two of them. Right. So natural and artificial flavors, just as a recap, this umbrella term is on a lot of ingredient labels, and it refers to these flavors, these sort of aromatic molecules or compounds that are used to flavor products. There's a list of these materials that have been approved by the FDA and are used by all sorts of flavor companies, and they're tested and vetted and approved and passed as generally safe by the FDA. So that's kind of the umbrella term we're talking about. But we didn't really get into the difference between what makes something a natural flavor and what makes something an artificial flavor. What are those rules and what are those differentiations? And sometimes those rules are a little fuzzy. Yeah, fuzzy is one way to put it. It just, there is a definition, but sometimes it seems like the definition doesn't actually delineate (laughs) very much. So Nadia Berenstein is a food historian that I spoke to. She told me that there was a widespread confusion about the meanings of these words. That's the word she used, widespread. The artificial versus natural distinction comes down to how the flavor is created. So an artificial and a natural flavor can actually look molecularly identical. You look at it under a microscope, you look at the structure of it, and it can be actually the same product. But it can be called natural or artificial depending on how it was derived. Natural flavors are created through an extraction process or a distillation process using raw materials. So you will go and find different leaves, fruits, or stems, or rinds from nature, take them into a lab, and extract a flavor from them. And that flavor would be called a natural flavor. And by the way, natural as a marketing term or on packaging itself does not have a definition by the FDA. So that Uh word actually means nothing. If it's on the cover of a package, if you go buy, you know, a bag of chips and it says that they're all natural, that doesn't have a standardized definition. So it's just a marketing word. Wow. Artificial flavors, by contrast, are produced synthetically in a lab. They can be created by similar means as the natural flavors, but they just aren't coming from this list, these leaves, fruits, stems, and rinds. But you can kind of create the same compounds or molecules, but you're just doing it in a lab. And therein <laughs> lies the difference. And that still is, it's so foggy to me. You have to really think about that. Mm-hmm. It's it, 
you're coming up with the same product. Yeah, I mean, this is the fun part about it. There are artificial and natural versions of the same flavor that are functionally identical. The only difference is the means of production. But we put a lot of stock and weight into those words, where now it seems like we kind of shouldn't. For example, vanillin. Vanillin is that compound that gives vanilla its characteristic flavor. You can extract it from a vanilla bean, or you can get it from another material that would qualify it as artificial. Well, what I have noticed is that maybe there's a trend going out there that you flip over a package and you look at an ingredient list of some kind of product that you've bought for years, and all of a sudden, it used to be, it would say, artificial and natural flavors, or natural and artificial flavors. Mm -hmm. You might not see the artificial flavors anymore. That's true. And this is a perfect example of the market reacting to consumer demands. So, people, consumers, don't want to eat something that says artificial anymore. So, whether or not it's valid... These manufacturers and these companies have pushed their flavor companies to find natural solutions to replace all artificial flavors so that they can have a what they like to call a clean label. So they're removing artificial flavors from their products and supplementing them with other natural options in order to sort of please the consumer. But it's really important to know that removing artificial flavors or colors does not make the food better for you. Once again, these compounds are molecularly identical, so swapping out an artificial for a natural isn't going to change the nutritional value at all. Improve it. Not necessarily. Not going to, right. Interesting. And there are a lot of problems with, you know, going on natural. There's a lot of problems. um, We're not talking about clothing, (laughs) right? (laughs) We're talking about eating, Bridget. Okay, all right. Well, for years, you know, manufacturers have gone to artificial flavors because it was a— price savings, right? Exactly. Or at least that's what we were told. And that's still true. Okay. You know, creating these flavors in a lab synthetically allows you to scale it in a way that you can't do when you're dependent upon natural products. So if you're dependent upon natural flavors, they're a lot more expensive to make. Also, they have a much greater environmental impact. They're not typically very sustainable. While you might feel good buying a product that has all natural flavors, it's important to consider the sort of environmental impacts of, you know, farming, harvesting, transporting, processing. All of these things have a really big carbon footprint. So while you think that you might be making a choice that's, you know, better for you in the world, it's not necessarily the case. Uh These artificial flavors are very streamlined. They're all in all the same. In fact, can be even safer than a natural flavor. This is another uh, thing I found really interesting is that when you're creating these flavors synthetically, you're kind of removing the possibility for impurities to come in. Contaminants. Exactly. Uh, I think Nadia Berenstein, the food historian I mentioned earlier, referred to them as fellow travelers, which I really (laughs) like. That's a very, very nice way to put, uh, you don't belong here, babe. Right. And you know, sometimes these fellow travelers can, can contribute to the complexity of a flavor, but typically when you're working with flavors and mixing, you know, 50, 60 in one product, you don't want those complexities Mm. because you want to have control over how you're mixing things and building your own complexity. You don't want something else sort of seeping in there that you don't know what it is. Right. And you think about something like wine. Mm -hmm. A fellow traveler would be the flavors of the soil that Mm -hmm. went into the grape and all these other things. An enhancement. An enhancement. And it could be a very good thing, but it also could be a very bad thing. So, you know, if you take that out for a product that you're selling, not wine, I don't want people to start making synthetic wine. They probably do. Um, But if you take that out of the equation and start making synthetic things, you're going to have more consistency and not have to come up against that. Exactly. And, you know, I want to I take a moment to say that I'm not harping on natural flavors as a whole. It sounds like I'm sort of beating them up. Nope. Um, 
I'm not saying that they're all bad. I just, I think that the artificial flavor, this is another thing I'm going to steal from Nadia because I don't want to claim it as my own. Just like this sort of scarlet letter A that this artificial flavor has to wear out in the world because we see artificial and we think bad. And in this case, I think I really want to challenge consumers to second guess that assumption that it's not necessarily bad. It's the same, if not better, and more sustainable and cheaper to make. And um, there are a lot of good things about including artificial flavors in our food, (laughs) which I feel like so many people are going to be so upset with me for saying. Artificial doesn't necessarily mean bad. Mm -hmm. And natural doesn't necessarily mean the best. And I think that, you know, as a concluding thought, consumers have developed a bit of a mistrust with manufacturers over the past years that's valid because there were a lot of things that people found out were being sold to them that they were consuming that they found after the fact were bad for them. And so there's a a lot of valid mistrust there. But in this situation, there's sort of an acceleration towards this natural and, and organic without a ton of education on what those meanings mean, what's dictated by the FDA and what's regulated by our country. So what experts are sort of urging for here is a more sane conversation on what's healthy, what's balanced, what's environmentally healthy, so we can make informed decisions about the purchases we make. I was going to say, you need the whole picture yeah. in order to make the best choice. Exactly. Thanks, Sarah. No problem. Thanks so much for listening to this bonus episode of Proof. And be sure to check back for more. We're posting every couple of weeks. Don't forget to subscribe to Proof wherever you listen so you'll automatically get those brand new episodes of Season 2 as soon as they're released this spring. <laughs>